0: and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day.
1: Back on the show, back in your lives, Dr. Sean Pastuch. Well, ooh, solid flex if you're watching the YouTube video, but we were just talking about your haircut. So (laughs) when does one make the transition between I go somewhere get my hair cut, even if it's regularly weekly. To hey, I'm gonna need you to come to the to the house or to the office to the barber.
0: Yeah, when they turn pro, um, the the uh, now during COVID, I go to the barber shop. It's it's better. I don't want I don't want that mess around the house. I had them come to the house uh, covertly during COVID when it was like taboo and illegal to go cut people's hair. But you get uh,
1: the haircuts. Throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Important to you, is it? It is. So I, I wouldn't, you know, I've thought about it. I see you, you do a lot of cool things, a lot of things that I'm like, okay, I wanna maybe implement that into my life. I mean, your relationship with your wife seems outstanding. You at least appear to be an amazing father, you know, all through social media, right? I've never, you Could be the worst at both of those, but at least in social media's eyes, you look great, and you know, I think that's baller status. But I wouldn't want my haircut at home because it, I would be so OCD about it. Well, also, well, so we, when we did it at home, we did it outside, gotcha, yeah. even in the winter, or was it yeah, not happening?
0: I go for walks barefoot with no t shirt on in the winter, so that's that wasn't an issue. Um, so yeah all through the year. And as it pertains to me being a husband and a a father, I appreciate you saying that. I, I do, I do the best job that I can with the time that I allow myself to do it. You know, I I don't, I'm not the dad who frankly wants to be with my kids all the time. I love my kids and I want to be with them really intentionally when I'm with them. I want it to be on purpose, not just because we're occupying the same space.
1: I'm glad to hear that because your kids are much older. How old, you have three kids, right? How old are they?
0: Two, four, six. I'm a glutton for punishment.
1: Two, four, three, six? Nine. Yeah. Okay, so I just started liking my six month old like a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago, Yeah. and I felt bad about it. But when you talk candidly, and that's one thing you do all the time, which I've always appreciated about you, you you know, speak with honesty, sincerity, and it's good to hear that because, you know, now that I like her, I enjoy spending time with her. But yeah, I mean, I get a lot of fulfillment out of working still, out of exercising still, like out of filling my own cup. And I think a lot of parents, their identity becomes that they're a parent and they forget that they had their own lives prior. But it's good to hear that it's like anything in life. Like, don't just put it on in the background, but, but be present in it. How's well, your wife handle that though? Like, well, go ahead, answer. What do you want to say? A friend of mine, Shante
0: Caulfield, the movement maestro on Instagram made a post a few weeks ago that was something along the lines of, um, you can crush your day without waking up and meditating, jumping in a cold bath and holding your breath for an hour. Like I, I'm butchering what she said, but the point is we're all led to believe that like this is what everybody who is great at anything does. And if you don't do what people who are great at it do, then- you're probably not great at it and you probably won't be great at it. And there's a lot of guilt around that, especially when it comes to parenting. Because we, as a parent, something that changes when we have kids is you stop living your life completely for yourself and you start living part of your life for somebody else. And when someone else who you respect, who you look at, who you think is professional, who you think is worth taking the opinion of, is telling you on their media account that this is how you're supposed to love your kids. This is how you're supposed to raise them. This is how you're supposed to be a father. You can feel guilty if there's nobody out there who you're looking to who's saying, 90 minutes a day and I'm good. 91 is too many. It's one minute too many. And, and it's not because I, I don't love them. I love the hell out of them. I'm really happy to be a parent. I look at parenting like golf. Like every, you hit, you hit a good shot on every hole. One good shot on every hole. There's a few shots that you forget about. If I ask you about your golf round, you're like, yeah, there were a few great shots. There were some terrible shots and you don't remember the ones in the middle. That's I parenting. Like that. It's not all amazing. It's not all terrible. Most of it's fine, <laughs> honestly.
1: So where's the balance though? You know, because probably similar scenario to you, my wife, Roz, she takes the bulk of it. I mean, not just the stuff in the middle of the night, but during the day, I mean, when I'm down here recording or, on calls, she's up there with Madison. So, how do, you, how do you explain that to your wife?
0: I don't have to explain to my wife, we know who we marry. You know, the, 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 the thing is this, um, I'm a husband first, father second. Okay. Because the, the best thing that I can do, I believe the best thing I can do for my daughters is to show them how if they choose to date men, marry men, marry women, I don't care. That's, that's their own thing. But this is how somebody, this is how this is the minimum that you should expect out of somebody in terms of how you're going to be treated. So we want to set the example in the house that the way I treat my wife is the least that they should be looking for out of whoever they're going to be with if they choose to be with somebody. And and we want to show them that when we have conflict, we resolve it. You know, if I if I yell at a kid like the other day, I yelled at my kid because I just I'm I don't I don't recommend renovating a house, moving an office in the same month that your sister gets married. So. I was already like at the end of it. And the kid was just doing something that, that, that annoyed me. And I took my frustrations from the other part of my life out on my four-year-old. And I went in two minutes later and I apologized. I'm like, you know, dad shouldn't have yelled at you like that. I'm sorry. I was frustrated from other things that went on in my day. And I, I didn't do a good job of controlling my emotions. And I'm sorry for yelling at you. I love you.
1: And you, and you speak to the four-year-old in that way like exactly adult those
0: things. yeah nice. yeah um and so so my wife was a teacher this is she she stopped teaching at the end of last year because she wants to be able to spend more time with our kids and there was a big financial burden and my wife discontinuing being a teacher in one of the highest paying districts on Long Island a very significant financial burden. And I don't mean to call it a burden. It's just a a gap in money that was coming in. Before she did that, we discussed, I'm not going to tell you what you have to do for a living or what we need out of you. You shouldn't chase money that's costing you happiness. What's the point of having it if it makes you unhappy? I would like the, 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 the grace to do a little bit more at work in the early phases just so that I can replace that income and and make sure that we're comfortable. And we have that conversation before we make decisions together.
1: And and that's fair. But, you know, I've, I've learned there's a balance between, yeah, I'm the, you know, breadwinner, quote unquote, for the family. But I get it. You're spending 24 hours a day with this monster. And we really? have fly- <laughs> well, for you, three of I them, mean, yeah, exactly. And you have all three of your girls? All three your girls. Are you guys chatting about a boy, number four, or are you too it, nervous it, that it'd be another girl?
0: It, it would be, I, it would most definitely be a girl, but I would only have another kid if something, um, tectonic happened in our business that made it so that money was never something I had to think about again.
1: Do kids get crazy expensive because she's already expensive? Does it, does it get worse?
0: it depends on how you want to raise them the way that we chose to raise our kids. Yeah. They're very expensive. We have a full-time nanny. So that's like having a full-time employee in your business who works in our house. Um, when we go away, we take them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not only the costs of what you physically spend on the kid. It's the things that you don't do that could make you money because you'd rather be with the kid.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm I'm feeling that. Like, I definitely, like I said, when, when, when I got to like her a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I enjoyed spending time with her and I was like, Oh man, I don't want to go do this or I want to be a lot more tight with my time to spend time with her. Like I really, like I, I make sure I'm done, you know, no later than five every single day. Cause the wind down routine. And I I love bath time with her. Cause that's like when she's the happiest and she's so funny. So it's, it's important to make where I could probably put in a client or, you know, mm-hmm. do something productive. That was my favorite thing about having a kid. You know, you touched on it earlier where it's like this idea. And I think social media was the culprit of like, you're a turd. If you don't wake up at 430, mm-hmm. immediately go for like a five mile run, then meditate, then cold plunge, etc. And and I felt that and I still struggle with that idea. But the beauty of having a kid was that shits out the window. Yeah. Like, well, too, know, bad. too bad. Too yeah. bad about your ice tub.
0: Well, kids cost money. Kids also cost constraint. And so that, to me, is a value add. Like, if we're looking at this from a binary financial perspective, it's a value add to have constraint. Because otherwise, we someone like you, someone like me, I would work. I'd wake up at 5, start my day. I would get a workout in. And I would work until 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, hey, babe, want to have sex? And she'd be like, fuck you. I haven't seen you all day.
1: (laughs) This is seeing me. You get to uh, see all of uh, me.
0: Right. But so so kids force constraint. It forces you to look at, at least it forced me to look at, what are the things that I'm wasting time doing where I'm busy, but I'm not productive? Let's cut those things out of my life. You know, for me, the first thing that got cut out was I ran an event. Get rid of the event. What?
1: What? What event was it?
0: It was a non-sanctioned CrossFit-style competition. Exactly. We, we would put 1,200 athletes in a competition over the course of a day um, and do it in amazing locations, like right here on the beach in Long Beach, um, in Manhattan, in the Armory, and then in Washington, D.C. right in front of the Capitol building on the lot. Oh,
1: cool. Yeah. And um, you stopped it.
0: Stopped it. No, yeah, yeah, I don't have time to do this. Um, I don't want to make time to do this is what I should say. The next thing was I was coaching classes in the gym. I said, I'm not going to coach class in the gym anymore. And then it was, I'm managing the gym. I'm not going to manage the gym anymore. And then it was, I have my clinic. I'm going to focus all on my clinic. And then ultimately it was I have the clinic and the online thing. Okay, I'm going to pick one because I'm not going to do this again. And I picked the online thing.
1: Yeah, I think think that's what it comes down to. And for all box owners or, or entrepreneurs, at some point you have to look at things through that lens of, you know, we always say like, eliminate, automate, delegate. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if, if you've found people make this mistake. They try to automate or delegate things that should just be eliminated. Yeah. You know, even that competition. It might, you probably could have found someone to run it, but you know, ultimately it's still going to suck up your time, effort, energy, even if it's handed off and yeah. the the benefit just wasn't there. So let's swing it over to the real conversation. You and I, You and I, um, I think we agree far more than the social media world. I
0: I know that semantically we're going to agree on this thing, but I can find a way to argue with you about it.
1: No, and I would love that. But I think there's kind of four people in my mind. There's far more, but that I consider friends and that we kind of all share the same space, but agree and disagree about things. And that would be you, Stu, and MDV. Okay. And, and... There's more, but again, you you are the only four I really care about. I'm sure there's other people saying similar stuff and I don't mm-hmm. know them well enough. like to. Stu's the only one I don't think I've ever met Stu in person. I'm going to be you're on his podcast. You're, you're not missing much. Right? Yeah, just another red dude, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, and but the you, thing uh, is- a problem child, right? You, oh, of course, yeah. All he of them. Up. I think there's like he 10 of them. He grew up in Stu. Yeah, that's, that's true. John Ritter. Remember John Ritter, R.I.P.? Um, Three's company. So, you know, we we see each other on social media and and a lot of people then wind up tagging us because we kind of have these counter ideas. And I think first and foremost, it should be said, feel free to disagree. What most of us are posting, this is what drives me crazy. People will comment on it and it's like, you either you speak in absolutes or what about this? Or what about that? I'm like, if we didn't speak this way, you would simply swipe past it or more realistically, you wouldn't follow us in the first place. Mm-hmm. So-, well,
0: yeah, so, so so, I totally agree with you on that. And the thing is this, the post is meant for me to grab your attention. Yeah, exactly. I need, I need to stop you. And then what I put under the post is where you can get the context for what I'm putting up there. And if you choose to not read what I write below and and, and your statement is that what I said was too absolute or too inflammatory or whatever it is, failing to recognize the purpose of that content it was to get you to stop and pay attention that's it so so it was actually perfect because you're here demonstrating the proof of that now i can't control who reads the caption and who doesn't read the caption but what, what, what i'll say is this also i think that one of the things that gets us in uh internet trouble is that, that same circle of people, if we just go with those four people, I know each of you in a way that the people who are reading our commentary back and forth don't know that we know each other. And yeah. so what can happen is I can say something to you that privately would be like the perfect, appropriate thing to say. Somebody else sees it, thinks that it's insensitive or whatever the case might be. And now all of a sudden it's, we're both like coming to each other's aid to this person who thinks that one of us is a terrible human.
1: Well, and that's the other thing about the four of us. I would say none of us are sensitive. No. Like, you can say anything you want. I think it's our, what do you attribute that to? I think it's just our age. Like, we're all, how old are you these days? It's not our age. There's a lot of people our age who don't function that way. It's not our but how old are you? I'm 37. That's it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. That was rude. It's the gray. It's the gray. It always throws me off. I think you're my age. How old are you? 50? <laughs> yeah, I look great for 50. 43. No, but you're 37. MDV turns 38, like in a week. Um, I would venture to say Stu's maybe a tiny bit younger than MDV. I, so. I don't know. But I mean, okay. Call it a seven to eight year gap. You're like our uncle. Yeah. I'm like the crazy uncle. You... You cannot say, age, fine, it's when we grew up.
0: Part of it is when we grew up, but part of it is also, I imagine that we had uh, similar things in our lives growing up to each other. I I believe that, um, I don't know anything about your relationship with your parents. I know that Matt has a good one. I know that Stu has a good one with his parents. I I don't know what yours is. Um, I'd
1: say it's good. I think think that
0: when you grow up around love, um, it's easier to not need to look for it everywhere. And 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 that's a privilege that I think all four of us have in that, you know, I I do care what people think. It's not that I don't care what people think. It's that I don't care enough what everybody thinks, right? I, I care a lot about what a few people think.
1: Well, and that's why you're here. Cause I mean, like you said, A, sometimes we just bust each other's balls in public but almost always, if we're truly, truly disagreeing, one of us will text. Mm-hmm. And that, that holds true for all four of us. Like, I, I, I purposefully try not to comment on anything anymore because I, I don't have the time. It gets lost somewhere. I'd rather just reach out to you directly and be like, hey, asshole, or hey, you're so <laughs> smart, you know, like whatever it looks like. I agree with. Um, but I think growing up in the 80s, you know, mostly 90s for the uh, four of us, it was a different time. I think if you grew up like now and social media is, has been a part of your adolescence and, and it's very easy to be more sensitive.
0: Well, we're totally old man in a rocking chair on a front porch right now telling the kids to get off our lawn. And, and that's okay. But you know, it's like, yeah. I remember when I was in Little League growing up, every year there would, there would be like the, the Little League dinner or lunch, whatever it was. And every kid got a participation trophy. And every year I threw mine out. And I told my dad, my, he's like, why don't you throw your trophies out? I'm like, I'm only keeping trophies that I earned. I don't care about trophies that everybody gets. It's not special if everybody gets it. So I would only keep the all-star trophies or the championship trophies, stuff like that. Um, I don't have any trophies from my youth anymore. Like, I don't have a shelf in my house with all my people. I was really good at Little League, I promise.
1: I've thrown all my – even recent trophies, like in jiu-jitsu, I just got I- – mostly from moving all over the country, like mm-hmm. they weren't important enough, but I'll one up you. We, I was the generation before participation trophies. Yeah, I didn't awesome. get a, I didn't get ribbons or it was either you won or you didn't get a trophy.
0: Right. As it should be. Um, like my, my, one of my kids came home from camp with like the best participator award.
1: And I was like, Oh, <laughs> you showed up, you showed up yeah. every day.
0: Exactly. What is this? day. I'm like, what do are... Don't give my kid trash awards, but, but I think that there's something to be said for the time. But I also, there's a lot of people who grew up in the same time who don't have the same mindset. I think that we just, we are uh, a, we are a product of genetics and the environment. And then we, we, we get education and we make choices. Did, did you wrestle
1: at all as a kid? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I don't know, Stuart MDV, but I think wrestling has shaped me more than anything not just from a drive like motivation like nothing's harder in high school in my opinion Definitely. than wrestling I mean well,
0: I can say this I don't know what your wrestling experience was but I learned how to get my ass kicked and come back tomorrow
1: that you was exa- that's at, that's exactly my my freshman year my record was five and twelve and of those five wins four were because the other team didn't have a 91 <laughs> pounder. And, and one was a pin. Like I beat one kid pretty soundly, but he was even smaller <laughs> than I was at the time. And then I, and I vividly remember Pete Salazo, the kid older than me, the 98 pounder who I looked up to like, you know, a God because he was so good and just my size. He says to me at the end of the season, we tried to get you to quit. And mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't even realize that was an option. Like, right. <laughs> I signed up for this shit. Like, I'm here. And, um, and I think that's a big part of it. Like, you, A, stick-to-itiveness of like, hey, I show up every day, like you said. And even when this, like, what's worse for a 12, 13-year-old boy to show up and get beat up every day and then to have to do it in front of their peers at matches? In their underwear. You'd be in the sing yeah, basically in their underwear exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that my opinion on on that is, wrestling needs to evolve and and let kids, uh, when that when we have dual meets or or tournaments, rash guards and board shorts. I I'm think, fine with that. I think if you do that, it changes a lot. People, you know, I think a lot of kids that would potentially wrestle look at it like I'm not gonna go to sing. It. It's, it's embarrassing, you know, and and realistically. Doesn't change anything. On you know, it's an old school thing. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you the big concern is like fingers and getting caught and whatnot. Rash guard. You know, even if you had to wear, you know, some sort of tight shorts, I think it'll do the trick. So anyway, I think I think wrestling was a big reason that I don't care. I think you just like no one insulted you more than your teammates.
0: No, it was. I mean, I I learned a lot from wrestling. One of my biggest regrets from from youth is. Um moving on from wrestling to, to finally play basketball. And the only reason I did that is because I got a cut from basketball in eighth grade and ninth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, and ninth grade. And I was like, I'm gonna keep coming until I make this fucking team. And so when I finally made the team in 10th grade, I was like, I gotta give up wrestling at the same season.
1: Yeah, being five three, I didn't ever have that option.
0: I was five eight. Well it wasn't very different. I'm five ten now.
1: Five inches. That's, you know, 10% of my height. But anyway, regardless.
0: Like of your, height. your math is poor. You're 63 inches. It's like eight and a half percent of your height. But either way, um, it doesn't help you on the basketball court when you're 5'10". Everyone else is six foot plus.
1: Sure. Sure. Either way. I wasn't making any basketball teams. True. But let, let's go back to the semantics. You know, one of the things that keeps coming up is obviously our company is called Best Hour of Their Day. I truly believe. I don't argue that point for the sake of argument. So let's chat about it. Where, yeah. where is our disconnect? Our disconnect, I
0: believe, is that you believe that the the hour that a member spends in the gym should be the best hour of their day. I believe that the coach should do everything in their power to make it the best hour of somebody's day with the understanding that it shouldn't be.
1: Okay, so we can end this Episode because we are in agreement. Okay, well this is fun. That's really what you know. No, but I think
0: that's that's why I said we 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 can disagree playfully, but I believe semantically we we agree.
1: And I would argue that MDV doesn't really chime in on this as much. Like this isn't his lane, if you will. But Stu, I think Stu is basically saying the same thing as well. And you know, unfortunately for a lot of people, it truly is the best hour of their day.
0: And that, but, but that's, that's where I think uh, we fall short.
1: As coaches, not, yes. not us individually, but the coaching staff. So what can a coach, you know, so let, let's go back to it, agreed. Like we want your hour to be just fun. We want you to be excited to show up. We want you to have that dopamine hit and high five your buddies. But yeah, if I sat down at the end of the day and said, man, like I just finished my workout outside in the garage. I wasn't in a class. But if I was like, hey, Roz, bath time with Madison was great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that mm-hmm. workout I did with the new Concept2 bike, that was better. Mm-hmm. She would be mad at me, right? <laughs> and, and, and I think that's what we're saying. Like, your 90 minutes with the three girls and your wife, the four girls, should be the best hour of your day. hmm you know, maybe even something else, maybe this hour of talking to a buddy and, you know, or maybe just the hour you spend reading. I mean, we can dive into the fact that I think CrossFitters as a whole don't diversify themselves enough. Because I mean, they
0: have to identify. And, 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 and so the, re- the reason why I think that the coach falls short, the gym falls short, when somebody can actually communicate that the best hour of their day was coming in. Is because that's an opportunity not to like, I think too many people wear that as like a awesome, awesome, I'm great. Like, no, you are great. And that's amazing. And you should be really proud that somebody is telling you that the best hour of their day is when they come and see you. That's amazing. That's an accomplishment. Now, your responsibility is to, you're a coach. Ask them why they can't find an hour in their day that's better than this. Help them figure out where they need to go so that they can get the help that they need so that this is a great hour that supports the other 23.
1: Where does that conversation begin? Because I agree with you.
0: Is everything okay at home?
1: Okay, so well, one, you have to create a relationship with your members that allows you to ask that question.
0: Well, and we can talk, we, there's other stuff that we do disagree on that we can get to that, that relates
1: to that right there, but yes. So, well, what is it? What do we disagree on? I, don't, I, would, say, I would say we don't.
0: The, I think we do. Um, there's the ability to develop relationships won't happen in class because, and, and you might agree with that. And I'm not saying that that's what you would say, but if we're talking about running a class that supports both a business model and relationships. We can't put 20 people into a class and build relationships in that class. It has to happen before, after, in between. We also can't give great coaching to 20 people at the same time. But we can drive a lot of profit with 20 people at the same time. And I think that the business model starts to break down when we look at quality, and we compare it to the number of people who are in class, how much money we need to make based on what we're willing to charge. But let me go, let me go back to where that conversation starts and so we can come back to business model. Yeah. Like the, when you just said to me, based on what I know that you teach coaches and I'm being complimentary here. I mean it like, cause I know you do a good job. I know that you teach coaches to to give a shit about the people, to find out about what's going on in their lives, to, 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 to develop relationships with them. I know that that's pivotal And and a pillar of what you teach. In order for a coach to do that, they need to spend time developing relationships with people. And so when I say, ask someone is everything good? Is everything okay outside of the gym? And you say, well, they need a relationship for that. My expectation is that's preliminary. Like that's that's prerequisite to everything we're going to talk about afterwards. We're assuming that that already exists does that make sense
1: yeah no no i and i agree with that you know i think i think where our probably foundational disagreement is i think it's two things i think one you using the number 20 and i know it's probably somewhat arbitrary but i would i would say if if a box owner has developed a, a an affiliate that 20 people show up on a consistent basis to classes this stuff is probably happening in the background. In other words, you don't get to an affiliate where 20 people show up without some of this, maybe not all of it, because I think where we're, we're the disconnect is more so in the personal training versus group class model, or at mm-hmm. least that some of that is necessary to facilitate this, which I don't completely disagree with. And I think, you know, you had like my superpower, like if I really had to break it down, is that ability. I can take a 20 person class and I can hopefully make everyone feel like they connected with me in that hour. I don't think everyone can do that. I, like I said, it's a superpower, right? Like mm-hmm. most people can't do that.
0: I also think if I can push back a little bit, it's, it's a bit of a blind spot because it, it's, you could, but what's the opportunity cost of doing it with 20 when you could be doing it with 10?
1: Well the op- the opportunity cost would be we're not getting those ten people to pay a membership, right?
0: Well, but we could charge the ten people double
1: if they're doing one on one.
0: no, if they're in a the group, if it's what I'm saying oh,
1: Okay, so saying yeah if,
0: if, if we're if we're looking at these gyms as coaching businesses and not as gyms, then I should be charging someone for the coaching that they get, not for the access to the equipment
1: i'm I'm a full believer in what you're saying. I think what you're saying is and I I tell box owners this all the time, you don't need 200 members. You need 80 or a hundred that are paying premium and that are buying anything else they need at your affiliate, be it protein or wrist wraps. You know, like you want top quality members that, you know, at at the end of the day, their average per month probably looks closer to 300 than
0: 150. Right.
1: I'm fully on board with that.
0: Well, and, and so now the secondary part of that is when, when we're only running a group model, I think it's very, what I haven't seen, what I, let me back up. What you described earlier, 20 to one, even if it's 10 or 15 to one, it's still Zumba with a barbell.
1: Yeah, it, I, I don't, if, if, if someone were coaching a 20 to one class, Mm-hmm. My hope would be there's a second coach on there. For the record, I don't think anybody should be coaching. Realistically, 16 is about that limit for a very good coach. When even for me, you you throw in number 17 to 20, and some of those are beginners or they, they're the people that don't show up regularly. That's not as good of an hour as if 12 to 16 were there for sure. But we can
0: break. But we can break down what's going on in the class. And I'm with you. I'm. I want to be clear when I. What I'm talking about right now is, is, is hair splitting.
1: Agreed. Right?
0: So if there's 16 people in a class and we're having them do a workout that has two or three movements in it, those people can really only expect to get two minutes of coaching from you.
1: I each. mean, do the math, right? Yeah. No. I mean, two even if three max if you break it down. If there's no
0: whiteboard lecture and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So I could be doing snatches, pull-ups, and rowing, for example. And I'm getting coached less than a minute on each of those. I need to know what I'm doing in order to to, to be in that class. And I'm really, it's not a coaching experience. It's a, it's a participation experience that's, that's fun. It's that's entertaining. So that, that, that's why when I talk about that as being fitness entertainment, not fitness coaching, it's not a knock it's just a definition. It's, it's, you're not, it's not a coaching experience and getting three minutes of coaching, one minute per movement.
1: I, I like it. Uh, the analogy that made me think of it's like wrestling versus sports entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you follow the WWE, but they sure. consider themselves sports entertainment, no longer wrestling where the other organizations would classify themselves as wrestling. And and I agree that that's a good way to put put it more like fitness entertainment. So where do you go from there? If you're suggesting it's it's is it simply not having 20 people in a class or well, is there I'm, some
0: I'm totally fine with it, but let's 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 underpromise and overdeliver, not overpromise and under deliver. And if, if you're gonna run a class that has 15 people in it, good for you. If it's a great experience and the members come in, they're like this place is amazing. Jason's a phenomenal coach. You 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 would love the vibe there, it's amazing. You're getting people to move and be active, which is something that most of the country doesn't do. So let's celebrate that. Let's not shame people for doing that. Let's also describe what it is when we're marketing it to people. Let's be honest with people when they're signing up what this is. We're not going to be able to take you from where you are to a specific goal that you're looking to achieve with any kind of certainty, unless if you do more than the class. Because it, it wouldn't make sense that we would give two students at very different reading levels the exact same lesson and expect them both to get where they want to go. The, the good reader to a higher grade point and the lesser reader to the appropriate grade point that's not going to happen. So we shouldn't do it in fitness. We should say, look, you're the best thing that we can do for you in a group class like this, is help you generally help you towards a general goal and develop a very, very, very healthy fitness habit, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I I get worried when we start to talk about like, it's like personal training without the expense. No, it's not. You know, it's, you know, whether you want to go to the CrossFit games or lose hundred pounds. No, you can't. These are things that too many gym owners I see promoting and coaches promoting, and it devalues the entire industry experience because people just get used to being lied to, whether intentional or not.
1: Okay, I like what you're saying there, and I, and I, you know I think there are aspects of it I agree with and aspects I disagree with. I think you're right. I, I like that reading analogy, right? And and I guess the the solution to that is going to be okay the 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 kid, for example, in that in that story that needs to level up, hey, we need you to work individually with the teacher we're that's the where you're going to with the tutor. that's where yeah. you're going to go with it right and And I don't disagree, and you know and I think if we're kind of segwaying into another place that we disagreed, this personal training thing, I think because I like what you're saying, I like hey well let me let me re- try to rephrase this. I agree, it's really hard to get you to meet very, very specific goals, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think part of that is coaches need to level up because that's where the stimulus, that's where scaling, that's where the whiteboard brief is integral. The better you get at those things, the better you can do at that, right? The better I can help the advanced, the intermediate, and the beginner in the same hour.
0: Well, I want to be clear. It's not that you can't get to the goal. It's the time that it takes will be longer, substantially longer because what you're doing is not meant for you.
1: One, one thing you said in there though, is you, you, you probably have said this before. So you said something to the extent of creating a good fitness habit. There were a couple other things you mentioned.
0: Yeah. You're going to, you're going to develop a good fitness habit. You're going to come someplace that's fun and positive positive. You're going to make, you're probably going to make friends with people who also value fitness, which is going to level your life up. There's a lot of good stuff that's happening in there. It's just not whether you want to lose hundred pounds or make it to the CrossFit games. We can help you do it. Whether you're the, you know, a house husband or a CEO mom, we have the perfect schedule. No, you don't, you just don't. And it's okay. You don't need to.
1: I think, you know, as long as I've been doing CrossFit, the games was never achievable. Like a very small moment, I considered a master's run until I realized that's not happening. You know, and mm-hmm. I think part of what I love about it is this idea of like what you're describing is my idea of this is the best hour of their day, right? Like this is like everything you described you're gonna have friends, you're gonna high five, you're gonna feel great, you're gonna to move towards your goals, you're gonna create these healthy habits. Like I'd be like, cool, sign me up. It's a great hour. I
0: don't have a problem with it being a great hour.
1: It should be fun. So where, where are we off on? What, what are you suggesting? What, I, what
0: I'm suggesting is that we're overpromising on the outcomes of the fitness experience. And because we're overpromising on the outcomes of the fitness experience, we gain inattention blindness To the people in our business who are not getting the results that they signed up for. And instead, we look at Lisa, who lost 40 pounds and changed everything about her life. We throw her on the Instagram account. We tell everybody how great she did. We celebrate her. Everybody hugs her. She feels amazing. And we forget about George, Jane, Michelle, Sarah, all the people who didn't get the results that they joined the gym for who've left. And that's a big reason why all of these gyms have more people in their expired folder than they have in their active folder, because those people decided one day, not all of them, many of them, this is no longer worth more than I am paying for it. And what happens now is because we tell ourselves, no, we're doing a good enough job. We're doing a great job. In fact, if you can't get results here, you can't get results anywhere. What that means is the coaches don't have to get better. The gym owners don't have to learn how to run better processes and better businesses. And we give ourselves a pass to be mediocre. That's, that's why I have a problem with it. And when we look at these, when we look at the, the reality of that on the ground, what is the incentive for a coach to become better? It's, it's, it's all internally driven. There's no more money in it. You're coaching the same number of classes
1: Yeah, I would say hopefully some affiliates, you know, if a coach goes from a level one to a two, to a three, to a four, or they take specialty seminars, be it through CrossFit or something like Active Life, you know, there should be some compensation involved. But do the
0: math on it, Jason. How much are we going to pay a coach to learn a class at the high end in a suburban town?
1: High end to suburban, I mean, obviously I need a lot more information than that, but I would say Fair, Naples, Naples, Florida.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, High income area.
1: I mean, I I can give you what I was getting was $50 an hour. Okay, $50 an hour. How
0: many classes are you going to coach in a week?
1: I mean, I was doing two a week. I was doing it because I just enjoyed coaching. But but say someone's coaching 20 hours a week. Okay. So they're making $1,000 coaching only.
0: If they're getting paid $50 an hour. Correct. Okay. So now that person's coaching 20 hours a week, making $1,000 a week, they're working 50 weeks a year. So they're taking two weeks vacation. They're making 50 grand. That's not bad.
1: No, I think many coaches would be not. very satisfied with that. Yeah, but, so,
0: but so now let's keep back into the math. How many members are in the class?
1: Uh, I don't. I mean, again, we're we're kind of throwing random questions out oh. there. I don't know. Call it. Let's so, go with your number, 20.
0: What 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 I would back into what I'm trying to describe here is that if we're paying our coach $50 per hour per class and we don't have a copious amount of volume, which would likely mean a very high amount of rent as well, which means a very good ability to acquire new members, the gym is not making
1: money. Yeah, I mean, you you sent me a very long text, a couple of... Like, I wrote down all things.
0: the math on it. I don't need to yeah. I won't go back to all that math.
1: But, I, I think there were, you know, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but there were things I agreed with, things that I disagreed with. I think... You know, again, going back to a box needs about 100 members. And ideally, I would say on average, I don't know what your opinion is, but I'd say on average of 150 is what across the United States, at least. That's what they're What's charging.
0: On- we, we, the lowest that we ask a gym to charge is about 220. And that, so, that's, okay. that's going to be in a very rural area and they don't all go to it. We want them all to, but that's, that's the lowest number that we talk about.
1: Which I would 100% agree with. I think the disconnect there is getting box owners to understand their value and also change their habits and their belief system. I think you were probably one of the people that said this to me way back when of, you know, people will, you you put your own beliefs on these people that are walking in. Like, I can't afford 220, so this person can. Meanwhile, this person showed up in a Lamborghini and you're driving driving a Honda Civic.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, but you described 15K. So you're talking about $180,000 a year of total revenue. For the box. Right. Sure. But but so now that that gym that makes $100,000 a year, $180,000 a year, they have rent. I mean, how many classes a week are they doing with 100 members?
1: Uh, If if you have 100 members, I mean, you're probably doing at an absolute minimum, five classes a day. That would be on the low end, you know, two morning classes, your noon class, and then-
0: So 600 uh, bucks a week, 600 and, no, what'd you say?
1: 50, that'd be 250 a day. So oh. 1250 a week, assuming that person making 50 an hour is the one coaching all of those.
0: Right, well, so if we pay somebody 50 an hour, I can tell you right away, this, this gym is going out of business at $50 an hour per class.
1: Yeah, well, you know, re- consider $50 an hour was a level four know, highly but, but, experienced. But, but,
0: but it doesn't matter what level they are. If we're charging 150 for a membership, you can have a level 17. And the gym can't afford you.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, and that's why the gym I was coaching at, and, and even here in Colorado, is willing to pay me that. A, because I do a good job. And B, because I never am willing to coach more than two hours a week. I do it literally because I enjoy it, but also value my time. I would do it for free, mm-hmm. but like we discussed earlier, I value my time. And if I'm going to be away from other things I enjoy doing, I at least need to feel valued.
0: Yeah. All, all, like I don't, we don't need to go through all the math because people are going to be at home. Like They're not going to pull out the calculator and start writing this stuff down. What, what I'm speaking to is it's exceedingly difficult for both the coach to make uh, a livable income, and the gym owner to make a livable income. If the only thing that we're offering is group class, I
1: I, I agree with that. You know, if, if, they, you know
0: if, if, if we're putting controls on it, they can do it at Orange Theory, but they're not doing it at CrossFit.
1: And, and I agree. I think, you know, and, and to be clear, I don't believe personal training should not happen at a box. Mm-hmm. I think. And correct me if I'm wrong, the message becomes like you need this. And I would hope, for example, using myself, when I opened CrossFit, I did not want to do personal training anymore. And if you would have said, hey, to be profitable, you need to do this many group classes and this much personal training, I'd have immediately would have said no, because I was so burned out on personal training. Now I think there should be an onboarding process at your box that is significantly more expensive than your monthly membership. So both the coach can be compensated and the box can make money as well.
0: And the member can more safely enter the class.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I, you know, I think also a disconnect, maybe, and I don't know if you agree. I think an on, a good onboarding should obviously keep the members safe. It should teach them the, the movements they're going to do more consistently. Like maybe you're not throwing in rope climbs in the onboarding but hopefully when you coach that in class, you really focus on it. But I think onboarding should be designed to assimilate people into the group setting. I agree with you. Okay.
0: Yeah. The, the, um,
1: this is not the, fun if we're gonna just agree on everything. No,
0: well, the, but, but we have a, we have a <laughs> legit disconnect that we can talk about here. And that is that there isn't, I haven't seen a sustainable business model that is group only that pays a gym owner and pays the coaches, that everybody works. This is what we do for a living. And my concern, I just talked to Chris Thorndike from Factory Forge about this too. My concern is that if we keep on having the best coaches in these gyms, being the person who's a firefighter, but really loves fitness, great on that person and shame on us as an industry. Shame on us that the person who is part-time is outperforming people who would want to be full-time because the person who's part-time could never compete with themselves if they were full-time in terms of their ability to deliver a great class. And, and, so, and so what I'm describing here is there isn't money to create careers for coaches on group alone. And so there isn't incentive for coaches to become professional and so there isn't a promise that we can make in the fitness industry that somebody's going to come in and get a professional experience and get a transformative outcome. That's problematic because it's how people end up saying CrossFit doesn't work when the reality is it does.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think you know, I think you can develop with the right owner as a part-time coach. I mean, I did that for many people, and I do think an you advantage. Can. Both you and I had, especially early on, was this was full time. Mm-hmm. There was never a period of time for me once I got involved in CrossFit, other than some training, maybe a little bit of like other fitness endeavors where I wasn't like, I wasn't showing up at a nine to five. So I was able to focus and everything I did, watching the old CrossFit videos or reading the manual allowed me to develop.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't think
1: newer coaches are getting that.
0: I think, I think that what happens is when people hear me talk about personal training or our group class model that we run in the gyms that we coach, the belief that people have when they hear it from the outside is that this guy's against group class and that personal training is what he thinks is necessary for people to get results. And that couldn't be further from the truth. For us, it's personal training to benefit the group. It's personal training so that we can ensure that the group does what it's supposed to do for you. And if it's not fun, people won't keep coming. So it needs to be fun. It also needs to make money or it doesn't need to exist. I told somebody this week who's one of our our clients, I'm like, look, if you're not gonna raise your rates where we're telling you that they need to be, you might as well just close your gym and let your friends come work out with you in the garage and keep your other job because you don't need to worry about the hassles of rent, scheduling, cleaning the gym, finding new members, selling people, running the, you have kids. Just work out with your friends in the garage for free and let the business thing go. You don't need it.
1: I've had that conversation too many times. You know, I think that that that's something wrong with this industry is, is people. It's like starting a book and feeling like I need to finish this thing. Mm -hmm. Cool. You don't like the book. Why are you going to read another 300 pages? Just close it and move on to the next one. And people Get involved in, in many small businesses, but specifically CrossFit. And like you said, you're not making money. You hate this thing that you once loved. Just shut it down and work out again. And you know, and they're like, but I love coaching. Cool. Go to another box and ask if you can coach there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it at your own affiliate.
0: Dude, I watched the first eight minutes of Wonder Woman
1: 1984 and turned it off. It terrible. You didn't even wait for Brooke Ents to make an appearance?
0: Is she in Wonder Woman 1984?
1: I don't, I don't know. I haven't I know watched either. it. But, but, I she was but, in it.
0: But I'm agreeing with you. The the thing is, though, I have a fundamental issue with with us not taking Greg Glassman to quote him because he he was a brilliant linguist. This is the world's most elegant solution to the most chronic diseases. This is the most elegant solution to the world's most chronic diseases
1: you misquoted him but yeah we get yeah, whatever me. whatever he can the world's most could. vexing problem i believe whatever what
0: he, he... he he's not wrong it could be it's just that it's not because we don't take it seriously and when we like when, when we make claims like that when we talk about the things that we could do for people and then they show up and you'll and they're like oh so you know this is what you do well no i'm a i'm a, I'm a firefighter and i just i love fitness so i do this a few hours a week. Got it. My, I don't think my brain surgeon is a firefighter. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with firefighters, you know, but like, let's take it as seriously as other people take their careers. If we really want to start talking about it, like it's a thing. And we, we hide behind too much of this, like, no, we're good enough. Don't tell me that I'm not good. It's, it's, you know what it is. It reminds me of the signs that I see on the side of the highway. Sometimes that say, America love it or leave it. And I'm like, no, if you love something, you stay with it and you talk about what it needs to do to get better because you love it and you care about it. The love it or leave it is for people who are disinterested in getting better.
1: I, I like that. I would. The only place I would give you pushback there is, you know, Glassman's quote, you know, the, the we have an elegant solution, et cetera. I do think everything we discussed earlier fixes that still. The, 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 quote, the quote stands true even with part-time coaches, because if you're getting people to show up and exercise every day, that's going to have an impact.
0: I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying it doesn't consistently or predictably. And so what happens is if we do it for one in every five people who show up, at the end of a decade, that could be hundreds of people. That's amazing. That's what I was talking about before. Let's celebrate that. Let's not shame it. Let's not get people to close their gyms, to stop coaching. I, I don't want that at all. It's great what's happening. What I want is for all of the people who are doing that to recognize the opportunity cost of the other four. That, that they, they could be reaching more people. They could be more effective. They could make more deep, meaningful change. And every time that we say we do that, it makes it easy. And I, when I say we, I'm talking about myself as a CrossFitter, as a CrossFit community member. When we say we do this, every time that we don't, somebody else is going to say, uh, you, you didn't do it again. When we say nobody gets hurt here, no one gets hurt. Everybody on the outside laughs and then points the finger and puts us under the microscope when somebody gets hurt. Because it's more fun to poke fun at the person who is completely lacking self awareness than it is to acknowledge the person who's saying, Look, we're not perfect. And we're trying to improve. In the meantime, look at all the progress that we've made. You can't. There's no vulnerability in it right now, and that's the problem.
1: So I don't. There's I don't disagree. I don't agree. I think.
0: Well, you have it's to be. Not one,
1: what's up? You can't disagree and agree at the same time.
0: You I can say think, I agree with parts of it.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think. The number that you're quoting, and again, I don't think you've done a study. Like I think it's just in no. your head. It's only like, in my head. I'm
0: just throwing a number out.
1: Right. I think it's far more than one in five are getting that positive impact. I would say it's more like nine out of ten. I would say. But, but
0: that's. I think that's the problem. The fact that you believe that is is, with all due respect, borders delusional.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I I've not ever said I'm not delusional, but. <laughs> I I would I would throw that back and say we're both kind of just putting it out there, right? Like the one in five and the nine out of ten.
0: We're not, because the difference is we both acknowledge that any gym owner who's been open for five years or more right now probably has more people in the expired folder than they have in the active folder.
1: When you say expired, you mean no longer members?
0: Tried the gym and said this isn't for me.
1: Yeah, whether for a day or for two years.
0: Yep. Sure then we're not even
1: at 50%. Okay, I see what you're saying there. I get I get that connection. I would say a few things. You know, there's there's multiple reasons people leave and I would say there's definitely a percentage of those people that leave. You know, if I were a member before the baby, I'm still doing CrossFit every day, just mm-hmm. in my garage, right? So there's- yes, but, hold, but hold on,
0: you decided that the quality that I was getting at that place, plus the inconvenience of going is no longer worth my money. I'm just going to do it at home because it wasn't good enough.
1: Not really. I wasn't paying. I'm a coach there. I still show up and coach. It's more, I just, my wife would beat me like literally and figuratively. I was like, Hey honey, I'm going to the gym. I would much prefer to go to the gym. But, but
0: But I think, I think that you're, I think that you're, you're projecting, your own reality onto other people, like we talked about before. Because if a member, if, if someone came to the gym and was like, "I gotta stop coming," I had a kid. Are you going to be like, "Yeah, totally reasonable. You should
1: stop coming to the gym." I think my my view will has changed certainly, mm-hmm. um, but I get where you're saying if there's a value disconnect, mm-hmm. I I agree with that. But you know, I'll give you another example. I I trained jiu jitsu. I haven't been there this entire month of August. My membership's gonna. Still go through because I plan on coming back. Like I know that's my goal. It's just been too busy. So it's it
0: hasn't yeah. been no, no. I, I, I keep disagreeing with you there. You, you haven't prioritized to...
1: it. Yeah, it, I haven't you're... you're absolutely right. I haven't prioritized it because I prioritized a baby or, or work, etc. But my point is I haven't canceled my memory. You
0: didn't even like the baby until a week
1: ago. No, it was August. And now oh, okay. I haven't been I haven't been uh to the gym in August, partly because of that. It's like okay, I can spend you know, Jiu-Jitsu is a little different. It's a bit of a community. You know, it's three hours of my day. I just don't have- like, it. I'm,
0: I'm, not, I'm not saying that people don't leave who had great experiences.
1: I, I acknowledge- Or go them. to another affiliate because they've moved or relocated. Yeah, or,
0: absolutely. You know, absolutely. But, but even if we did that, we take, the, we take the overall expired folder from every gym. There's more of them than there are people in gyms right now. And, and there are also people who don't come in at all. Who we don't reach because of the way that we do things and because of the way that we speak about what we do. It's, People it's, that
1: just never, never get involved in CrossFit. You're suggesting, yeah, won't won't show up. Like the, the fact it, that, not that they'd no longer come in, but like they'd correct never, never show up. Yeah,
0: right. And that's an opportunity cost also, because and like nobody's, I shouldn't say nobody. It's it's very rare that somebody would say, "I need to be fitter before I join Gold.
1: Right. That's where they're. I I think. I agree with you. I've said this all the time, you know. Cool. You're 43. What's your plan? Cuz you haven't been doing it for 43 years. So what's right. your
0: But nobody says I'm I got to get fitter before I join Gold. People regularly say I got to get fitter before I join the CrossFit gym. And and that is our fault. We've made it seem as though that's what needs to happen. And if we don't own that, then it will continue to happen. So we need to be looking at why do people believe they need to be fitter before they join our gym? What message are we putting out into the world? How do we change that message or potentially change our process so that people actually can walk into
1: the gym? Well, I think people can. It's a a belief that they have, right? It's not that they can't. And I think it's happening every day. At at every affiliate, there's 60-year-old, out of shape men, women, whatever it looks like coming in. So there's clearly people that realize I can do this from day one, but I agree. There are people that when we, we've, you've had this conversation, I've had it where it's like, I'll I'll come back in three months when I'm ready. And we both know you're not going to change anything. You're not going to be ready in three months, but I think that's a much bigger, broader issue. How do, that's a thing where it's.
0: Yeah. But part of that comes back to the process, Jason. It's, it's, we, we can't run good marketing through a process that doesn't fit the problem. So, so the other thing is like, it's such, the the, the reason why this stuff frustrates me so much is because I believe there's so much being left on the table. There's so much opportunity. that's not being had for gym owners to make a living for coaches to make a living for people to join and have their lives changed. And it's all because we want to pretend that everything is great and everything is perfect. Where if we could just look at it and be like, Everything is great. It could be greater. What do we need to do in order to do that? What belief do we have that we need to shed in order to do that? What do we need to be willing to try in order to do that? Then we would have a more valuable asset. When we, like we work with commercial gyms and we work with micro gyms like CrossFit gyms. One of our gym clients has 10,000 members. Now the question would be, Sure, but how many of them come? About six thousand. How many of them are? How many of them are doing personal training? More than the average CrossFit gym has in total. Is this gym in a major city? No.
1: You're, so the you're point, referring to a commercial. The gym, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's in it's in like
0: upstate New York.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. Not from my so,
0: your old stomping grounds. It's not yeah, that far. Yeah. But so, but so the point I'm making is like we, we, we have this, this siloed view that like this is the only place where good stuff is happening and it's not, it's not. And we can make stuff happen in these small gyms, in these, in these boutique gyms that those big gyms can't. And we, we don't.
1: I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, I saw, I think you posted recently that there's a misconception about... Commercial Coaching gyms not gym. wanting you to show up, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, home. that's true for some. It's not true for all.
1: Yeah, I think in general that model is, hey, we charge. I don't think they're charging nine to twenty dollars anymore, though. They're even commercials. Like, what does that gym charge?
0: Uh, they're fifty now, forty nine a month.
1: Yeah, I think like even the bigger, you know, golds used to be like you know nine ninety nine or ballys back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah even the the commercial gyms are charging 50 bucks a month so i mean i think if you just simply did the math like there's they couldn't accommodate 10,000 people there's you know, 75,000 square feet yeah no i'm sure some can but there are plenty out there that it's like if all of these people showed up for an hour every day and blah 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 like it wouldn't work like there's no, just not yeah. Right. yeah so i think there's that's still very much in it but i definitely think you know we CrossFit in general charges a premium, so you do hopefully get no, people no. that
0: it needs
1: to charge a premium. You don't think that one fifty is a premium until two hundred to two twenty.
0: Ask the gym owners; you can't put food on the table.
1: Who, 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 are, who are
0: fortunate that they have another job where that their significant other works?
1: I think in those scenarios, they're just not attracting enough members as well.
0: No, because it scales up. Like when when you look at it, yes, you're right. But what happens is they would need to be great at member acquisition. And then they would need to also be great at developing outstanding coaches who are not incentivized to be outstanding so that they can run classes with more members in them so that they can have a margin on it. It, It's just all the odds are stacked against them. They should just charge one and a half to two times as much and be five times as good.
1: I, I think the challenge there is so many box owners would hear that and say, I can't charge two twenty when every other gym in town is charging 120, 140, and that's
0: and that's why they're that's why they're stuck. It's, yeah. they're, they're, they're they're wrong about that. There's a there's a there's there's a mystique. Number one, I wouldn't say this if I didn't know because we weren't because we we're doing it every single day. Every single day. I was just in a morning chalk up article. One person said you shouldn't increase the rates of your gym by more than 15% a year. We regularly help gyms double their rates in the first four months that they're working with us. Doesn't happen for everybody, but it regularly happens that they double their rates in the first four months. The average gym loses less than 15% of their membership.
1: I, I agree with that. We've we've I, I agree with that. I think, and I've often said that, like you you claim community is the number one thing at your gym, and raising your price fifteen percent is going to cause an exodus. You you right. don't have a community first of all, then, and secondly, right. that's not going to happen. You go to right. Starbucks, they raise your your coffee price twenty percent, you know, annually or whatever the a you know, dollar. I know it's only a dollar, but percentage wise and compounded, that's just as expensive, maybe right. not exactly, but
0: uh, no. But I know what you're saying. Warren Buffett bought Coca-Cola, raised it by a penny. In- Recoup his investment in like four years.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But but what but, but what I'm what I'm speaking to here is just that like, one fifty is not a premium. It's it's twenty dollars more than Orange Theory. It's similar to Fit Body Bootcamp. You premium is Barry's Bootcamp. Forty bucks a class. Soul Cycle thirty seven dollars a class. Are they giving a better experience than what you're giving at your gym? The answer should be no. No. So right. why so why are they getting that and you're not? Do, it's, it's, it's mental, it's a, psych- it's a psychological thing. I,
1: I agree with that. I think the big disconnect in general is the CrossFit world as a whole has to embrace this, or at least let's say countrywide, right? The, the United mm-hmm. States needs, I mean, and what better time than after realizing how, th- there shouldn't be a better time to realize the value of health. But when there's a pandemic going on and we're realizing, hey, you know, fitness is a hedge against sickness, how ve- I mean, people are paying the difference between one hundred and fifty and two hundred and twenty in medications that they could hopefully come off of if you're doing a good job at the box.
0: They're also I- they're also paying the seventy dollars a month in opportunity cost of the life that they're not living.
1: I don't, you know, again, I wish I can disagree with you on this stuff. I I think, but
0: but so, but so the question that I would pose to you is, how do we get gyms to do it? Because because you're you're working with coaches. You're working with gyms. We look around in the world, and there's still sixty-seven percent of people in our country are overweight. Forty-two percent are classified as obese. I'm sure that there's a percentage of them who are just strapping young gentlemen like yourself. You're probably obese by the metric, but but the point I'm making there is we're not doing a good enough job. Like we just we, we just went through a pandemic, and everyone was screaming gyms are essential, except society. Why? Why? Because we don't dependably solve the problem.
1: Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. But you're saying we, I mean, that's just not CrossFit. That's all gyms as a whole. No, it's I mean. not.
0: I'm not blaming CrossFit.
1: Yeah, no, I'm no, no, I know you're collectively. I'm just making it clear. You're suggesting all gyms in that scenario. Yeah, yeah,
0: The fitness yeah. industry. It's not, yeah. it's, look, I, I think CrossFit in general, um, the reason why I get so passionate when I talk to people about CrossFit who I believe have, inattention blindness to what's going on is because there's so much potential there that's not being tapped because they just think that it's good enough. I'm like, just because you're more effective than the thing that's not effective at all, doesn't mean you're effective enough. You could be so much better and you don't have to, you don't have to say that you're bad to do that because you're not bad. Like you're, you're really good. You're really, really, really good. So take the opportunity to be great.
1: I agree with that. I think, you know, it's making me think about the fact that, you know, CrossFit in general is still in its infancy. In 2007, when I opened, charging, I think $80 a member. When, when I sold in 2014, we were up to 180. I mean, so I, I think I was unusual. Yeah,
0: but, you know, but the, thing about, the thing about what you're describing, I agree. Cross-present adolescence is what I would say, because it's let's call it 20 years old. Yeah. Um, we're build like we build habits in our childhood. We 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 start to decide who we're going to be. And the reason why I one of my beliefs is that most adults are just kids who got older is because it's really hard to look at ourselves as people and say, I am not a good enough version of myself. And I need to acknowledge that so that I can become who I'm meant to be. It's hard to do. And I don't think most people are willing to do it. And if we allow this to go much further, then we're going to be asking what I believe is potentially the greatest asset that we have right now in terms of a group of gyms who actually have something valuable to do something more difficult than maybe they're prepared to do when they could do it now. Now is the time.
1: And when you say now is the time, you're saying now is the time to-
0: I'm saying to every single- Collectively. Let's let's just talk to CrossFitters right now because that's who's listening. You're undercharging. You're undercharging because you're not sure that people are going to be willing to pay you what it is that you believe you need to raise your prices to. You don't believe that they're willing to raise their prices either because you don't believe that what you offer is worth it or because you have a problem- with your money mindset and either of those are okay but they need to go away if you're going to be successful if your product isn't worth it make it great and then go to the price you need to be at if your product is worth it you just don't think people will pay for it then you need to find out now because you don't want to be in the job that you're in 10 years from now not making any money because you were afraid 10 years ago to raise your rates to where they needed to be and if you raise your rates to where they need to be prioritize the value of the coaching afford yourself an opportunity to develop careers in coaches let them do personal training in the gym offer them the chance to do it teach them how if you don't know seek out jason seek out us we can help you
1: i again you know i agree with it i think there's there's so much of that even i remember vividly when i raised my rates every year, I went from like 80 to 100. And then I was like, a big jump. I remember this, this one member came up to me He's like, you're gonna lose everybody. And I was like, "All right, I don't think so. Lost, you know, maybe one or two, the typical, like, you might lose one person who was on the way out anyway, or it's just a, you know, kick in the butt. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I always knew that value. And maybe I was coaching and developing other coaches, I think, this idea of, it starts at the top, right? Too many box owners, they're not developing as a coach. I see mm-hmm. it every weekend at level twos. People show up five years after their level one and get feedback. And that feedback is often, you're terrible. Like you're a terrible <laughs> coach, right? Like said in a nice way, but that's what you want to say. And it's like, well, are you getting feedback regularly? No. Uh, did you do anything between your level one and level two to get better? Well, I coached. Cool. That's like, only training, never practicing, never working on skills and anything, right? And, and then it becomes confusion as to like, why, why am I not getting better? Well, your box owner, whoever's in charge of you, isn't putting it at the forefront.
0: Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I don't know, I haven't formed my belief yet on whether it's CrossFit's responsibility to do that or not. What I can say is the reason why the gym in town who is doing that, the person listening to this right now, who's like, I do get developed. I do develop our staff. I do work with mentors. I do take courses. I just can't raise my rates because every other gym in our area is half the price of us already. The exact scenario that you just described is hurting that gym. Because all those, the people who are signing up, all they know is it's CrossFit. And so they go to these other four gyms where the people who are being told five years after the level one, you're terrible. And now they walk, they, they see another one. They're like, I'm going to try a new place. And they tell them we're two and a half times expensive. And they're like, Whoa, 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 You gotta have to explain this to me. And they haven't learned sales skills. And so they don't know what to do. They freeze. And they're like, ah, and they know that. So they don't raise their price to it. There's
1: 100% something to be said about that. You know, if, if, Collectively, CrossFits aren't, on average, charging enough. You're right. It makes it a lot harder. If, if every coffee shop in town all of a sudden dropped their rates to a dollar a coffee, it would put a little bit of pressure on Starbucks. But they would be like, our coffee's better, or whatever that Dude. looks like.
0: Yeah, Starbucks, that was what it was. So this, this, this is. So here's a, you just made a great bridge. That's what it was. Everyone was charging a dollar, and then CrossFit said, i mean that crossFit Starbucks said we're going to charge four twenty five and people said, "You're crazy." And they replied, "No, we're not selling coffee. we're selling a coffee drinking experience and now there's three Starbucks on, a, on an intersection,
1: yeah, and I think CrossFit did do that originally, right when when we both opened back in the day in New York like Global gyms were nine ninety nine. There was a people thought category. I was crazy for
0: being at one seventy
1: five. Oh, I agree with you. yeah. My aunt, I've said this story before. She was like, no, 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 no. You need to charge nine ninety nine and hope people don't come in. And again, <laughs> that was the global gym model. And when I charged eighty at the time, which is you know nine times more than the the gym that was literally a stone's throw away, like you could walk there. People thought I was crazy, but I think now what we're saying is. We've come a long way, baby, right? It's been 14, 15 years. We need to revisit this and we need to show the world that we are professionals. We can make this change. And, you know, associated with that needs to be the rate increase. I mean, I think CrossFit has always done a phenomenal job giving advice, but also saying, hey, do you. The cream rises to the top. I don't
0: think, I think CrossFit is doing a better job now of giving advice than they ever have. I don't think CrossFit's always done a good job of giving advice. But the other thing I'll say is you, you just said something that was, that was extremely demonstrative for me of, of, I love you and part of the problem. Globo gyms. They're not Globo gyms. Globo gym comes from um, the ball. movie Dodgeball. Right. Right. At Globo Gym, we're better than you and we know it, but nothing is actually happening in Globo Gym. It was a spoof. And so Globo Gym is a very simple term that gets thrown around in CrossFit gyms. Oh, it's a Globo Gym. It's a Globo Gym. That's elitist. To say that is elitist. And the the, the irony of it is that Globo Gym is being ridiculed because they're elitist. And so what happens is now we're in a situation where we're, we're looking at this demographic of gym owners who have the opportunity at their fingertips to affect incredible change. And instead of looking at commercial gyms and saying, what do they do well that we could take? They look at them and say, we're, we're better than them. But I, you're not, you're, 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 you're better than them um, per capita in your business. For sure, no doubt about that. But each of them probably has more people doing personal training than you have in your entire gym.
1: I would argue again in semantics, like the term "global gym" is basically just my way of grouping anything other than a cross. I think there's boutique, there's Globo, and there's CrossFit.
0: But but right, but what I'm saying is CrossFit is no more boutique than commercials are Globo right like it, you wouldn't if you were in a room full of commercial gym owners or health club owners as they might call themselves you would never you would never address them as global gym owners
1: i think crossfit has forced them to level up i don't
0: agree with you i think i, I think, think you i think you believe that because you're not spending very much time in them
1: fair enough i don't spend a lot of time in a global gym but at least back in the day no, Jim. Gym. What's that?
0: It's so ingrained in you.
1: <laughs> well, I, I just think like growing up, working in that industry. It, you know, when I when I worked at Gold's Gym, it was a car dealership, a really really um, successful car dealership that mm-hmm. owned it, and it was mm-hmm. like they didn't give a shit about the gym. I did managing it, making twenty four thousand dollars a year, right? Mm-hmm. So. Someone cared, it was me. Um, and and uh, I remember at my level one, the guy sitting next to me owned a global gym and he was bringing CrossFit in there because he was the owner that cared. So I think, you know, really in any industry, there's I, good and there's bad.
0: I get it. But what I'm describing is when we, when we nobody says global gym in a complimentary way. Nobody is like, oh, the Glo- that, that's a great global gym. Nobody says that. Sure, I agree with so, that. So, so what's happening there is, we're subconsciously going like this, global gym, CrossFit. Hmm. And if you're listening, I put one hand above the other one. Yeah. And what, what that means is we're already better. We don't have to get better. And that's, that's, the, that's the crux of the problem.
1: I, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I like that. I mean, you can't rest on your laurels. I think everyone in, in our world of crossfit does have that belief we are better and i think ultimately what this comes down to is we can't rest on that we need to continue to strive to improve in all aspects yes so ultimately we agree on everything
0: well we don't agree on how to get there
1: i don't think i don't
0: think think we get there without career coaches because in every one of the in every one of those commercial gyms there are at least five people who are making their entire living as a personal trainer and every one of them dedicates their lives to becoming better and better and better at helping people get to their specific goals. They might not be able to run a group class worth dog shit, but they can help people get to their goals. And so we, yeah. need, we need to do a better job in the gym or that's a better option.
1: I mean, I would say the most successful boxes have a business or- owner a box mm-hmm. owner that understands business understands sales books etc and and probably has at least one full time co- i mean at my prime i literally had six full time coaches that was all they did no other career no other part time gig that's mm-hmm. all they did but i probably also and i wouldn't recommend this you know had 12 to 14 part timers way too many i was just letting people cover one or two classes. Mm-hmm. I think there's value in having a few part-timers. I, I agree. They're not going to, you know, the guy that's firefighting mm-hmm. is probably not going to be as good. You can Although the shame is right
0: him. now, he is right now. He is.
1: Yeah. You, I mean, we would strive to help get full-time people on. I think every, the boxes that have someone that's full-time, you're right. They're going to be because oftentimes. That that person is a better coach now than the box owner. Mm
0: -hmm. That's the idea.
1: Yeah, because they this is all they do. Where the box owners maybe doing some of the sales, you know, a million other things that a box owner needs to be doing to put out fires, to do all this. You know, the the full time coach gets to just focus on coaching. Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. I think we need to have more professional coaches. Hundred percent. Mhm. So where else do we disagree or agree?
0: I mean, a lot I'm mean, we can go anywhere we want from here. No, I think
1: I mean we both we both um have just a few minutes left, but I think ultimately no different than boxes. I think part of this is, you know, going back to you, me, Stu Matt, there's other people out there. We all have businesses. We can very easily be like there's a competitor, there's a competitor, there's a competitor or we can say how can collectively the four of us spread the word that we need this and, and box mm-hmm. owners need to be the same. They're, they're, it's too ingrained. Like that box down the road is my competition where it's like, hey, but if we all did this, if we all leveled up, we can all be successful.
0: Yeah. And the crazy thing is that the box owner down the road who you think is your competition is across the street from a commercial gym with 2000 members. And both of you are complaining because you have 80. Well, what are we talking about? You there's plenty of people for you.
1: That's what you know. I think I probably heard it from Coach Glassman where it's like we're not competing over the 100 people in our town that already do CrossFit. Right. We need to A, maybe there's a little competition, like how do we get those Globo Gym people, you know, sorry. I I, I don't know one. But but the the reality is what can we do to educate Every other person, the 67% that you said are obese, that, hey, you need to exercise. You need to get involved in fitness. You need to improve your nutrition. That's how we change the world, really. That's the solution.
0: Yes, what we're doing right now is we're saying, I have this amazing thing. And they're saying, you're standing on the other side of a huge body of water and I can't swim. And we're saying- Get better at swimming and I'll give you the thing. No, let's make it easier for them to cross the water. Let's build a bridge.
1: I love it. I love it. Let's build a bridge to health. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Katie's going to quote me on that for the, for the uh, social media, but, but I love it. And what I love more than any of that is that you and I can chat about this. And like we said, we probably agree 95% of it. There's some. I think it's really just the. It's like, hey, we're going to the same place. I'm using Google Maps. You're using Ways, and there's one or two roads that mine saying is a little faster. You're saying there's a, you know, a traffic jam. We're gonna get there.
0: Yeah, disagreements in the nuance. Everybody wants what they think is best, and they get passionate and dug in about the way that they think the best way to achieve that is. And I'm, I'm all for that. That's why I'm. We should be able to disagree and still be friends. You know, like right, right now. We have people who are yelling at people because they're vaccinated or they're not vaccinated. You both just want people to be healthy. So don't worry about how that person thinks you should be healthy. Just like it's, it's, that's, that's how we need to be in my
1: opinion. I love it. I love it. hundred percent agree or 90% agree. Let's call it somewhere in the middle. And it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for the father advice. Thanks for being
0: uh, a butt spatula. I think I gave you that advice once before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're good at that. And uh, I I appreciate you in my life and I appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and chatting with me about this.
0: I'm happy to. I appreciate you bringing me on. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time.
1: You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now and I use all of the scrubs my favorite being the coffee scrub just in the shower gives you the tingles gives you the feels I love it and there's so many other great products I use their deodorant I've used their hand care when I've had tears just check them out it's a veteran owned you know guy that was in the military serving our country Dale I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude and I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products. 15% off with the code BEST HOUR. That's BEST HOUR for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb, and ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docsbarn.com, use the code BESTHOUR, and save 15%.